coming up next on Digital Marketer. I always think of it like a sailboat. And on the top of the mast, you've got the CEO and the CEO's whole job is just to kind of point in the right direction and say, we're going there. It's everyone else's job below them to figure out how. And the marketer, the, 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 the top ascended role of the marketer, there's got to be a market up there. They're saying, okay, how do we do that? And that marketer has to come up with the campaigns to do it. I've developed a process, we call it the functional marketing framework to sure. come up with the definitive kind of die on the hill marketing tactic to get the company from where they are to where the CEO wants them to be. And that process is like relatively straightforward. You got to know what they want. First of all, it has to be measurable. How do you know when you get there? If the CEO says, you know, sail to the horizon, you'll never reach the horizon. If they say, by the end of this year, I want us to have this much in sales. I want to sell these number of products. I want to have, you know, this type of uh, uh, profitability, that kind of thing. Then it's the CMO's job to turn that around and say, okay, based on that, we need this number of leads. Based on our current conversion rate, we need the leads to be at this cost in order to satisfy the kind of agreed upon budget. You can fight the executives. This is a ton of fun. I love sure. working with executives that are lively because you can just kind of like go out to the parking lot and battle it out because they say, I want this huge outcome. And you say, great, it's possible, but it's going to cost this. And they're going to say, I don't want to pay that. So now you're going to fight in, in like a really loving, supportive way to figure out how do you get as close as possible to their vision while staying inside of the, like the realms of possibility. This is Digital Marketing. Hey, DM listeners, did you know that you can generate leads from Instagram without using any landing pages or websites? If you're not sure what I'm talking about, Instagram actually allows businesses and influencers to set up automations to automatically capture leads through the Instagram inbox. So this means that you can generate leads for your business all using 100% automated Instagram messages. And the good news is our friends at Bot Builders can show you exactly how to do it. They're an industry leader, and these guys have landed some of the biggest clients in the world. So if you want to learn how to use Instagram automation to generate leads, go check out their free training at botwebinar.com. They'll show you exactly how it works. You'll see a live demo and also how you can start using their pre-built templates to start going after big clients yourself. Once again, that's botwebinar.com. Hey everyone, welcome to the Digital Marketer Podcast. I'm Mark Grass, the president of Digital Marketer and also the podcast host. I'm here with Casey Stanton, the founder of CMOX, the fractional CMO company. Welcome, Casey. Hey, thanks for having me, Mark. Excited to be here. Yeah, I, I looked over your stuff. You know, the, the fractional CMO kind of concept is kind of relatively new. I think outsourcing the executive function of marketing isn't new, but the I think splitting it off to an outside person is uh, relatively new. So it's, yeah, it's great. We've seen it happen with like, you know, there's first like companies used to have inside lawyers, right? They had like a full-time lawyer and now you have outside general counsel. And then our friends over on the financial space, the CFOs, I think they've really led the way with the outsourced or the fractional CFO because so many organizations don't need a full-time CFO. And there's some great companies that do that. There's board member Vinny Fisher, uh, who's got uh, a fractional CFO company. So it's definitely very successful. And the fractional CMO model, I think, is on the rise. And right now is the best time in history to position yourself as a fractional CMO. I'm excited to chat about that today. Yes. Yeah, well, that, you know, I think just from the statistics in terms of the executive function of the CMO, it makes even more sense since it's the shortest lived position 
I think of the, <laughs> the C-suite. So that that's super cool that you're taking on. How long have you been kind of taking that role? Yeah. So, you know, I, I was inside of a marketing agency for years and kind of climbed my way up to doing, you know, I was like the lead marketer and then I became the marketing strategist and I was selling projects where I was doing marketing consulting. And uh, what, what I kind of realized was like, there's like this consulting thing, like, you know, I kind of grew up in the, like in the way of like Dan Kennedy, kind of these like Midwest marketers. And I really loved like the Dan Kennedy approach to things. I was in like the GKIC uh, locally in Ann Arbor, Michigan years ago. This was like 12 years ago, 13 years ago, I was there and I learned a ton, but what I didn't learn was how to stick around. Like I, I learned like how to do marketing consulting and like make a nice check. And it was fine when I was fresh out of college, but I was in this constant revolving door of like prospecting, selling, servicing, spinning down selling, prospecting. Like it was just, I just couldn't, I could never feel confident. I wouldn't know what to spend on Christmas gifts. I've got a big family. Mm -hmm. I've got over like a dozen nieces and nephews. It's like, how do you spend on Christmas when you don't know what your income is going to be because you're a marketing consultant and you didn't have a really great November. Yeah. So it, it came out of necessity. I wanted to do this thing. I knew I was onto something, but I didn't know how to do it. And then I really wanted to work my way into, uh, deeper, longer term relationships. So took a job as a professor of marketing at Tulane University. And I really enjoyed my time there and thought maybe I'd want to get in the academic space. But ultimately, I left that and decided what I want to do is I want to solve bigger problems. And I want to stay elevated. And I want to have long term engagements with clients. And it just so happened that that's kind of what a fractional CMO does. I didn't say at the time, I want to be a fractional CMO. I said, I want to make the most per hour that I can. I want to have the most leverage possible. I want to work with great companies and I want to know with like significant confidence how much money I'm going to make this month, next month, the the month following, the month following that. I want to be able to chart for the year. I want clients that last for 12 months, 24 months, 36 months, you know, that kind of thing. That's awesome. Well, I think you're describing the dream of most marketers because, you know, even for me, when I had my agency, it was always that roller coaster of like, okay, I need to get business. Okay, I have too much business. I don't want anymore. And then right. back and forth and back and forth. And I think, you know, for most marketing agencies, they're, they're just kind of order takers. Like, oh, you want email marketing. Let's do that. Okay, you need some social media posts. Let's do that. And it's, you know, Ryan Dice and his TNC uh, keynote, he was really talking about how it's kind of been commoditized, the methodology of marketing. And so what we're doing now, if you want to be a long-term marketer is you have to become a fractional CMO or you have to, you know, get into the relationship of your clients or make a relationship with your clients and then carry it long-term with the execution of a strategy. So just, just for listeners just tuning in, how would you define a fractional CMO? Yeah, great question. So I would define it as the CMO. That's it, right? When I serve as a fractional CMO for a company, Everyone in that company effectively knows me as the CMO. I'm just not there 40, 50, 60 hours a week, but I'm the CMO. I have all rights and privileges afforded to the CMO, which means long-term contracts, right? Like you don't have a CMO, right? It is the shortest lived C-suite title, <laughs> right? But still like the CMO sticks around. They're there for a year or two years or three years or, or longer. So it's the CMO. You're the CMO. You're just the CMO for multiple companies yeah. and you stay in this leveraged position where you're focusing on the most important stuff and you're delegating the work to other people. I see people on LinkedIn who are like, oh, I'm a fractional CMO. And then when you talk to them, they actually write emails, they do social posts, (laughs) they set up technology, they say that they're really great at building WordPress websites. And like, that's fine. Just call yourself an agency of one. Like you're not a fractional CMO. 
the fractional CMO is the CMO. And I think there might be also this kind of like general thing that happens in business where companies overtitle. You know, if you have a company and you hire someone in operations, they're not the COO. They're the person who's in charge of operations because the COO has a very high pay rate and they're going to expect that maybe your business can't afford it. Mm-hmm. So the fractional CMO allows an organization to have a CMO only for the hours that they need. And that could be a handful of hours a month or it could be, you know, uh, a couple hours a day but it's just not a full-time in-house CMO. Does that make sense? Yeah, makes total sense. Well, and I think that that's a good distinction between, you know, being an agency of one or just somebody who's doing all the marketing versus being the strategic go-to person who's coordinating the whole strategy, working with the other executives, you know, owning that role of I am the marketing leader. So in that role, do you typically have, are working with companies that have their own marketing department and now you are coordinating them or are you essentially helping them outsource those functions to somewhere else? Yeah, great question. So I think at the end of the day, the the biggest thing I learned when I got started in this, because I, I was able to sell clients, like I felt confident selling. I had sold before, I'd sold high ticket at that agency I was at. What I What I realized quickly was if the company that you're working with, if your client doesn't have an in-house marketing person or the budget to afford one, who's going to be the in-house marketing person? It's going to be you. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter how many great ideas you have. If they can't get flighted, you're not valuable. So you need to be working with companies that have talent available. And it's a role that I've kind of created that we call the marketing technician because it's not, it, it's kind of a coordinator position. Ultimately, I like to see a marketing technician hired. You bring them in, they're let's say 25-ish dollars an hour. Oftentimes they're typically they're in the same country of the, of the client just for ease, for time zone, things like that. But they certainly don't have to be. I kind of don't care where they are as long as they do the work that's requested. But they're the person that sets up the software. If you say, okay, guys, uh, what we need is Salesforce and Pardot. Okay, we need that set up. Who's going to set that up? Well, the marketing technician. And you want them to own that and kind of run that. If there's some coordination that has to happen between marketing and sales or marketing and HR or whatever, you want this in-house person to be able to liaise and do that and say, okay, I want you to go have those meetings with those people, go ask them these questions, pull together this document, here's the template for it, and then bring it back when it's done. Ask me any questions as you have them. Just let me know when it's done. I want it done by Friday at five. Nice. No, I think that's, <laughs> that is, well, I think that's, you know, when you go into that role, it, it is a, a really careful distinction because I, I've actually been in the fractional CMO role and instead of being like, hey, here's the strategy, here's the plan, here's how you're going to execute it. It's like, nope, you just handle everything. And then you end up coordinating with an outsourced agency or full stack agency or or whatever. But I think even, even the cost of it, you know, some people think they're paying for a marketing department and you say, no, <laughs> you're paying for my experience, not the actual work. Here's your ad budget. <laughs> and so, totally. uh, so do you have to explain that when you go in and say, hey, this is my role. And then do you actually suggest a budget in terms of what the company can expect to pay to execute your plan? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you're treating it like you're the CMO. How would the CMO treat it? And maybe folks listening to this, maybe you just don't know. You don't know what a CMO does. And I'll tell you what they do. I always think of it like a sailboat. And on the top of the mast, you've got the CEO and the CEO's whole job is just to kind of point in the right direction and say, we're going there. It's everyone else's job below them to figure out how. And the marketer, the, 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 the top ascended role of the marketer, there's got to be a market up there. They're saying, okay, how do we do that? And that marketer has to come up with the campaigns to do it. 
I've developed a process, we call it the functional marketing framework to sure. come up with the definitive kind of die on the hill marketing tactic to get the company from where they are to where the CEO wants them to be. And that process is like relatively straightforward. You got to know what they want. First of all, it has to be measurable. How do you know when you get there? Sure. If the CEO says, you know, sail to the horizon, you'll never reach the horizon. If they say, by the end of this year, I want us to have this much in sales. I want to sell these number of products. I want to have, you know, this type of uh, uh, profitability, that kind of thing. Then it's the CMO's job to turn that around and say, okay, based on that, we need this number of leads. Based on our current conversion rate, we need the leads to be at this cost in order to satisfy the kind of agreed upon budget. You can fight the executives. This is a ton of fun. I love sure. working with executives that are lively because you can just kind of like, go out to the parking lot and battle it out because they say, I want this huge outcome. And you say, great, it's possible, but it's going to cost this. And they're going to say, I don't want to pay that. So now you're going to fight in, in like a really loving, supportive way to figure out how do you get as close as possible to their vision while staying inside of the, like the realms of possibility. You know, if they want to triple the company, do you need millions of dollars of cash? Do you need them to execute on strategic relationships that they have? What work is required from them? What work's required from the team? How are you going to leverage the team, build the team? I mean, it really is solving a big problem. And I think it's a ton of fun. That's awesome. Well, I think, you you know, touching on the, the sales side, because I think, you know, you could be the best marketer in the world, run the best campaign in the world, and even have a budget for that campaign. But if you're getting all the leads and you have a crummy sales department or somebody who's not selling, all of your marketing is is going away. So how do you coordinate with say your sales team where you're saying, Hey, I'm going to get you these leads. You wanted a hundred leads a day. We're doing that. But your conversion rate you said was going to be 10% and it's 1%. Right. I think that I mean, depending on the size of the organization, I think the fractional CMO, depending on the engagement level, right? There's, there's kind of two engagement levels that I believe that you should have one where you're kind of like deep in with the company, you're working just about every single day with them. And another one where you're kind of advising them from a high level. And if you're working in with them deep, which we call an engaged kind of capacity, when you're really engaged instead of an advisor, I think a daily standup and just checking in with the sales team is great. 15 minutes every single day. You want to hear the sales team talk about what their target is. What do they achieve? What's working? What's not? You want the sales team to be like, hey, Casey, the leads that you guys drove yesterday, they're crap. They're awful. No one picked up the phone. It's like, awesome. Thank you. That's good to know. We started a new campaign. We tried a new thing on Bing. It looks like it's not working. We're going to give another day or two. Let us know how bad things are. We'll, we're going to look at the data and then we'll make uh, our adjustments based on that. You, know, you have to have that kind of connectivity to the sales team where you want them to be very successful. And the salespeople obviously want to be very successful. I love sales teams because they're just like rabid you know, <laughs> driven, they're driven. Like every day they're picking up the phone. I love companies that can call a thousand, 2000, 3000 people a day. Those are just great companies to be in because there's just so much momentum that gets created. And then as the CMO, your job is to just liaise between marketing and, and sales at a level to understand if what marketing is producing is actually valuable downstream to sales. And if it is, great, keep doing it. And if it's not, test new campaigns, test new ideas, ask for some grace as you figure stuff out. And then ultimately you must satisfy what the sales team needs in order to hit your quarterly outcomes. That's awesome. Well, let's talk about that because, you know, doing a 15 minute meeting a day doesn't sound like a lot of work, but being a fractional CMO is a lot of work, you know, research, uh, metrics, analysis, execute, you know, it's a lot of work. How, what's your capacity like in terms of how many of these companies can you actually handle at one time? 
That's a great question. And it, and it really depends on the depth that you're working with them. So if you worked full time, you would work with one. If you fractionalized it, you know, um, kind of at my peak working with just a ton of clients, I was working with about like six clients at once. So, uh, which is a lot, you know, it's, it's a lot of context switching. I was effective, but honestly, the lifestyle wasn't there for me. Mm -hmm. So just like the natural progression of shedding a couple clients, I, I learned this term replacement therapy <laughs> that you don't love, that you don't align yeah. with, that aren't on a big mission, that don't have opportunity for asymmetric upside. Start taking those clients and start kind of pushing them out and then start filling your calendar and time with clients that you love or, you know, trips to the beach or whatever you want to do. Yeah. Uh, so now you're working with a couple clients and you're getting paid well. You're getting paid, let's say, 250 to $1,000 an hour, and you're working 20, 30 hours a week. I think that's the lifestyle that a fractional CMO should have. And honestly, if you work much more than that, and I, that means all in, that means prospecting, <laughs> selling, servicing, kind of the whole shebang, 20, 30 hours a week. If you work more than that, I, I find it's hard to keep that mental. I did bring in early on, uh, four years ago, I brought on an assistant. And when I hired him, I didn't know what I needed. And I just said, hey, man, just like follow me around for the next couple of months and let's figure out how you can help. And he became indispensable for taking off lower leverage tasks on my plate, like prepping meeting notes, asking the client what they want to talk about. So we don't have to ideate on the call, but instead we can like tackle problems on the call, doing follow-ups with recaps and notes, recording the calls, taking care of any email requests and putting them in front of me so I can bash through them, that kind of stuff. So there is room for efficiency growth, but ultimately I think having just a handful of really great clients is ideal. And I think really important in this day and age, as, as you kind of kicked off this call, Mark, and, and you mentioned that the fraction, excuse me, the CMO is such a short-lived role as far as the C-suite's concerned. You want to have a couple clients because you might lose one. I've got this story where it was a few years ago. I had a great book of business. I was feeling really good. I really liked the clients I was with. I had just flown to California. This was in January. And I met with the CEO and like the executive director of this organization. Kind of presented my plan for the year. They loved it. They were like, all right, let's do it. Outside, I got a handshake from the CEO. I mean, I can remember it like plain as day. <laughs> Beverly Hills handshake, the whole thing. Flew home feeling like a million bucks. Um, just like I closed the business. I was like locked in for the whole year. He said, we're with you the whole year. The CEO literally said, Casey, we are with you the whole year. We're committed. Well, our contract renewed like on like, I don't know, like the 15th or the 18th of the month. And he called me and he's like, hey man, bad news. We're not going to be able to renew the contract. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? Uh, and he said, so executive director fired me and he's clearing the whole C-suite. That's so from billing like twenty two, twenty three thousand dollars a month to billing like three thousand dollars. <laughs> I lost that client and another client like a couple of weeks later, like a week later. I mean, my the floor yeah. under me just crushed me, man. And I had my expenses. I had an assistant who I paid more than two thousand dollars a month. So I was underwater. And what I learned in that moment was you you cannot have a client base of one. Okay. You need, to, you need to have multiple legs on that bar stool. So if one gets kicked out, you don't fall on the ground. You want mm -hmm. to be able to be stable. So having multiple clients, and that's why I think the mix of the engaged clients and the advisor clients, engage meaning you're deeper with a couple companies and then advisor means you're less deep with them, but you're still very supportive. And if you lose one kind or something, it's, it's not a big revenue hit and it's easy for you to go.
And you think that that's very good advice. Cause I, I had that same situation where I was maintaining like one or two fractional CMO roles. And then I had a handful of other projects I was doing, but yeah, I had the same thing where it's just like clients happy, everybody's good. And it's like, okay, it's the first, where's, where's the check. They're like, oh, you know what? We're not going to do that anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. What? And it was half of my income. And so it went from, you know, $25,000 that month to like 12. And you're like, that's a big hit. <laughs> that's huge, right? Maybe you're living on 12, but everything else was for everything yeah. else that you're doing, everything that you're investing in your life. Yes. Well, I think that's, that's good advice too, where it's like, don't, you know, yes, have that good prospect list, have that solid list of clients, but also don't plan on maybe all of it <laughs> every single month because it might change drastically. But even that role, I mean, it's still much more stable than the up and down of constant projects and, oh my God. and whatnot. So where I, I used to be well, in that role. When I was working at the agency, I contracted for this agency and it was feast or famine. And I'll tell you, the feasts were feasts, but these were traditional product mm -hmm. launches. And anyone listening to this who's done a traditional product launch, you know the ulcer that you get, right? I mean, it, you're doing everything. You're like, all right, I'm going to get on with WP Engine and I'm going to talk about, make sure that we've got our staging site set up. And, you know, then, okay, we got to do some headline work. Okay. Oh, shoot. You guys want to do a pre-launch of that to this group? What? Okay. Okay. In two hours. Okay. I got it. All right, honey, just order pizza tonight. I got to work through the night. You know, you're working until midnight. You wake up at six because you're in a different time zone than your client and you got to get ahead of stuff. And it's just like awful. Mm. And then other times it's just nothing. And you're left thinking like, shoot, like we had a great month last month. If I could only have other great months like that. And all you think about is the money, but you don't think about how much time you put into it and how you're actually not building any sustainable asset. You're not building any leverage. You're just being paid on time. And what's worse than all of that is this rapid demonetization of all marketing stuff. Mm -hmm. Like every role in marketing, sure, there's like the experts that are going to always kind of have the, the top fee for it. If I want a copywriter, like, do I go to a Jarvis or one of these AI copywriting uh, platforms? I mean, for like 80% of companies, that's all you need. Mm -hmm. You know, when I want PPC, do I really need to go to the agency in town that charges top dollar? Or can I go to dropkickads.com and get uh, the image creatives and copy all written for me and then hire someone off Upwork to run it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying that the results are equal, but when you look at your cost benefit, they're not bad. No. So with rapid demonetization, all of this labor that we used to do, or maybe folks listening are still doing as marketers, it's just going to go away. You're going to find people offshore that are going to be able to do it as well as you, sometimes even better than you, because they just have more time to commit. And uh, the buying power is so high. You're charging 50, 100, 150 an hour, and they're charging 10, 15, 20 an hour. I mean, even if it takes them twice the amount of time, it's still it cares. <laughs> yeah, it, it's tough. It's tough. It's a tough market. So you have two options. I mean, uh, one option is to continue doing what you're doing and increase your rates and find fewer and fewer clients that are willing to pay them because they're smartening up and marketing is like not the same as it used to be. It used to be such a black box and scary. But now, like, companies know what a landing page is. They know what a mm -hmm. tweets page is. They know that they should have an email opt-in and they should have a bribe on it and a lead magnet and a follow-up sequence. Like, they know this stuff. It's not, you're not coming in, you know, to, uh, year 2000, you know, first time anyone's ever heard of a tripwire or whatever. So you can stay there and just increase your rates, which a lot of people are doing, and they're pricing themselves out. And they're experiencing like pressure, actually downward pressure on their prices. Oh, I know we paid you 150 last year, but our budget this year is 100 an hour. Or you do the other thing, which is reinvent yourself for the last time 
elevate to the top role of marketing, which is the CMO and serve multiple clients. Mm -hmm. Here's the worst case that'll happen if you become a fractional CMO. You get really good at being a CMO and you choose to work with one client. Yep. Right? Yeah, I think that, well, and that's, that's the path people don't realize. Like, you know, some people think they want an agency or they think they want, uh, you know, a small business and own their own time, but they might realize like, no, it's, this actually works a lot better. <laughs> like you can just get a job and get a paycheck and yeah. benefits and all this kind of stability that you don't have when you're running a business. And actually the, the fractional CMO is a way into that. If you, you know, feel like it, or maybe you just love your client. Yeah, that could happen too. You get in with a client who wants to take a limited risk and they say, hey, Mark, will you come in as our fractional CMO? And you're like, yeah, man. Yeah, that sounds great. You're aligned with me. I like what you guys are doing. I think I can help. This sounds like fun. You're going to pay me well. Great. And then you work with them for six months, 12 months, and then turn around and say, man, we've been on fire. You're our guy. I'm going to make you an offer to come in full time. Then you have this opportunity to say yes or no. And I don't come from a traditional kind of business background. I've always been in the serve the entrepreneur space. Mm -hmm. So the traditional route to become a CMO, it takes, you know, 12, 15, 17 years on average to become a CMO. And the average CMO makes 150 to 250,000 a year. I'll tell you as a fractional CMO, you can certainly make much more than that and work less and have more kind of consistency in your income because of these longer term contracts that you have with multiple companies. So in case you ever lose one, you have others. And you're not like maxed out. You're not working 40, 50, 60 hours a week where you don't have the capacity to go prospect. You're kind of mm -hmm. always able to keep a full pipeline. You're chatting with interesting opportunities and the quality of opportunities that come in. I think this is, this is really important. What future do you see for yourself as a marketer? Where do you see yourself? What do you want your future to be? And I'll tell you a guiding principle that I've declared for myself. I want bigger and better opportunities presented to me where I can have more impact and more upside. That's the future I want. That's the position I want to be in. I want people to come to me and be like, Casey, I've got this great opportunity. You're my guy for it. And I want to be the person who says, love it, dude. Not for me. I know who it's for. Let me introduce you to that person. Or awesome. if it's really like a killer opportunity, I'll say, hell yeah, let's do it. I'm going to work every Saturday with you on this to make it happen. Right? I, I have control over that commitment to be able to support great organizations, great opportunities, things that can take care of me, take care of the world, take care of things that I'm passionate about, pay me a lot of money. You know, those, those things, are, I, think, I think that future to me is, is much more exciting than, man, if I could just double the number of clients my agency <laughs> serves and just like, as long as our, as, as our hourly rate doesn't dip below 50% of what it currently is, I think we'll be okay. I think a lot of agencies yeah. fight with that. Oh yeah. And it's miserable. And I think what you're talking about is really the, the freedom that you have, you know, and I think what people, you know, as you get older and have kids and move around, you start realizing like you're different than you used to be. And, you know, maybe you're in a job and you realize I don't want a job and I want to be in business or so on and so forth. And I think this really toes the line and is flexible enough where your seasons of life could, you know, fit with the lifestyle. You could take more clients if you want. You could not take so many clients. You could do more consulting versus, you know, having that, that set salary position essentially. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's just amazingly, you know, amazing freedom that you can have and flexibility to live like you want to live at that moment. So. And that's a great point. And I've got uh, folks that I uh, taught to be a fractional CMO. Uh, I tell them in my process, the f functional marketing framework, like how to attract and convert and then serve their clients. 
And I've got some younger folks in there who are just like willing to put in all the hours. They're going to work the weekends. They're working all day. They're working all night. They're doing whatever it takes. And then we've got other folks who are older. They've been in the corporate space for years and maybe they're kind of retired. I've got one guy that I'm thinking of that's, that's it's a kind of pseudo retired, retired for the mm-hmm. corporate life, but he's just bored. He's like, man, I'm really good at this stuff. And I want to get paid for the thing I want to do. He's like, I don't want to go do website building. I don't want to go run ads for people. I want to stay elevated. I want to be paid for all this brain power that I have. And, and him being a fractional CMO, he's working with like two clients and that's right. enough. And that brings in an extra 10, 15, $20,000 a month for him, which is a ton of money for some folks. And for him, you know, it's just a great kind of additional uh, paycheck. He's got mm-hmm. a great savings and everything. So the opportunity there, I think is, is really significant. Hey, Ryan Dice here. You know, it's been a while since I've run the day-to-day for Digital Marketer, the company that Roland and I are partners in. Fortunately, we have a great team and great partners who help us with all that nitty-gritty stuff now. But the one thing that we focused on while I was there and the one thing the team still focuses on to this day is optimizing everything. I'm talking testing everything from the sales copy to the color of the checkout button. Testing like this can have a huge impact on your bottom line, but the truth is it takes a lot of time and a lot of resources. And half the time we were just throwing stuff against the wall just to kind of see what stuck. But the good news is you don't have to figure everything out on your own anymore. And that's because our friends at Conversion Fanatics have optimized hundreds of sites in all types of industries from small startups to Fortune 500s. And now they can handle all your testing and optimization for you too. So if you feel stuck when it comes to optimizing your website, go and visit conversionfanatics.com and they'll give you a list of custom suggestions to optimize your site 100% free. Once again, you can find them at conversionfanatics.com. Let's talk about the minimum experience level, because I think some people, you know, who have never done marketing before are coming in saying, hey, I want to be a fractional CMO and it might not be super realistic. Like, how, how would you kind of define here's the minimum experience you need to actually own this role and do a good job at it? Yeah, that's great. I think that, you know, this is the problem with the Internet is that like anyone can claim they're anything. And to go to Gary Bensavenga's quote around like uh, proof. I mean, when I was at Titans of Direct Response, Brian Kurtz event, Gary Bensavenga was on stage and he said, if I'm going to take a control and I'm going to rewrite it to beat it like a mailer that he's going to rewrite, he says, the first thing I think of is how to double the proof elements. And that's a really important thing. So you have to have proof. That's how you're going to differentiate yourself. And this goes back to the question that you just asked, Mark, which is, How much experience do you need? Well, you need enough experience to have proof that you can actually do the thing. You've done it before. Who do I think makes for a good fractional CMO? I think someone who is like intellectually curious about marketing is a good person. Someone who like cares about like the details. Because as a fractional CMO, as a CMO, you're just spending your time solving bigger problems. And and, and I think that like, that's like such an important thing. I mean, it's so important to like, I had it engraved on my, on my cup here. It's like our mantra. You spend the same amount of time, let's say, as anyone else in the organization. Let's say if you're working full time, the CMO's job, though, is what's, what's the right decision to make on this very important problem? And if you make the right decision, good things happen. And if you make the wrong decision, bad things happen. 
And that's kind of what you're taking on is this responsibility to choose the right thing. So what kind of experience do you need? I would say you need a few years of marketing experience. Now it's a tough one, right? I think the minimum is three years of marketing experience. I think folks that own agencies are in an unfair uh, position to dominate as fractional CMOs because they've already been in a lot of organizations. If you haven't been in an agency, but instead you've been working, you know, for a company as like their lead marketer or whatever, you may understand that market really well or that company really well. And you might be able to take that out to other companies, you know, be careful that you're being honest and you're not giving away trade secrets and that kind of stuff, right? You want to be ethical here because you're building a long-term name for yourself, but a few years of experience in marketing and as high velocity of those years can be the better. So the folks that are working on multiple projects, doing multiple product launches, do it a little bit of copy, did a little bit of landing page building, did a little bit of analytics, can know their way around the back end of WordPress well enough. I find those people are pretty dangerous in a good way. Uh, but more than that, it's someone who, who wants to be the leader. Like this isn't just marketing strategy. Yes, a lot of the kind of the core of what a fractional CMO does is they say, okay, CEO above me on this sailboat. Okay, you're telling us we're going that way. Okay, all marketing team, our strategy is to do this. This many leads, this cost per lead, these channels, these uh, customer journeys, this funnel, et cetera. But more than that, you have to lead the team. Every single day or every single week or every other week, depending on how often you're communicating with your clients' teams, you need to be pushing folks forward. So you have to have experience as a leader. And that can be as a parent. If you're a parent and you've cheered your kid on and you feel like, man, I, I just, I turned out a really good kid. Right? <laughs> like, I think that's, that's important. That's, that's direct. It is. Right. If, if you are in, in scouting, if you were in the military, if, if you have any experience around leadership, I think it's incredibly helpful. Not a requirement. Mm -hmm. And if it's something that you're weak at, you just have to get better at it. Because if you can't lead a team, like it doesn't matter how great your ideas are, they'll just, they'll just die on the vine. So I'll say minimum three years marketing experience, mm -hmm. some type of analog to a leadership, and then just like a deep desire to support your client, to learn, to do what it takes. You know, one line we like to say is you got to get in the foxhole. You're mm -hmm. there with them. You're not in some elevated position where you live in, in this life of luxury. You know, you roll up your sleeves, you get in and you get dirty with them when you have to. And I think that's what sets, um, you know, these savvy fractional CMOs apart from maybe these more corporate people who have a more corporate experience. Because if you've already done this work before, if you're listening to this podcast, you're obviously interested intellectually in, in marketing and you probably have campaigns. If you work for a company full time, you probably have a Shopify site or you've got a landing page up and you're collecting emails and sticking them into, you know, MailChimp or you're doing something, you're playing that game. It's that energy, that entrepreneurial spirit, I think is really helpful. Oh, it's that. Go ahead, please. Oh, no, 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 go ahead. The last part of this that I want to say is skill set wise, I love a copywriter. I'm not saying that they're the best fractional CMOs, but a copywriter fully, deeply understands the intent of the customer. They understand the prospect all the way through the customer journey to a high lifetime value. I like that, that, that brain because it's not about just the tech, right? You could be the CMT, right? The chief marketing technologist, and you can be that intersection between tech and marketing. And like, that's another role. And that's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about here is how do you generate the CEO's outcomes through marketing alone, kind of marketing with support of sales, with support of product. You kind of have your feet kind of straddle into those departments a little bit to support. 
but you really want to be in that marketing role and, and, and build that marketing team. And just like understanding the emotion, the customer journey, the, the feelings, the reason why, if you have direct experience in the niche, that's always helpful. I learned that years ago, I think from Paris Lampropoulos, the, the copywriter, he said, do not work as a copywriter in a um, niche that you don't have personal experience in. Mm -hmm. like, if you have personal experience in weight loss, man, you're going to write some really great weight loss copy. If you have it in uh, stock trading, it's going to be great. So I think a copywriter also has a bit of an unfair advantage, but that doesn't preclude anyone else from being a great fractional CMO. These are all skills that you can learn. But if you're an agency owner, if you're already selling and working with clients and you're not getting paid for strategy, mm -hmm. right? Like that's a great place. Set. You're not getting paid for strategy, but you're getting paid on the result of your ad campaign. You have an agency, you run PPC. So you got to say to the client, okay, yeah, we can totally help you with PPC. We've helped other clients like you. Absolutely. They're like, great, make it happen. And you're like, oh my God, you don't have a, like your website is built on like a, a 2012 version of Joomla. <laughs> Like it can't even accept JavaScript for analytics. There's, there's like no, you know, clear benefit driven headline. So in order for me to run ads, which my agency does, let's say perfectly, I have to first like invent your whole marketing strategy and you're not paid for that as the agency owner. Mm -hmm. If you offer fractional CMO services, you get the opportunity to provide that and get paid for it. And also as you get paid for it, you realize that you're going to dig deeper and build a better strategy. That's going to be more than just your PPC. It's going to be the, all, these, all, these, all these other campaigns, which means that that client's going to be more successful, either with your help or the marketing technician or the other agency that you bring in, whatever it is, but they're more successful, meaning you get that social proof of the case study, meaning you get the word of mouth, meaning you can take that, leverage that relationship and go and get similar companies and non-competitive markets to them and really build notoriety for yourself as a fractional CMO. And to me, that's what's exciting because that lasts forever. That can last until you're dead. You know, be oh, yeah. a person. That might only last for the next, you know, I mean, it'll last for a long time, but like not in the same way as a fractional CMO. The fractional CMO could be your last reinvention as your career. Yes. Well, and I think you really touched on the point that I always try to, you know, convey to RCPs or anybody who wants to be a, even a marketing consultant, that the understanding that you have to have of the team, you know, getting in the foxhole, connecting with them, and I think that's where the copywriters come in because the copywriters really understand who they're talking to, but also what's being sold. And so I think, you know, the people who aren't going to be in fractional CMO are the ones that expect that they'll just write a strategy that they know is right. And then they'll convince everybody else in the, the C-suite that they're going to, this is right. Yeah, you have some input, but I'm going to tell you what to do. And that is not the role at all. Right. And a good way to get fired most of the time. <laughs> like. You know, not taking that input from the CEO. And yes, you might disagree with the CEO on here's the direction you want to go, but that doesn't matter because that's not your job. You, you are you getting them where they want to go. You could, you know, you give advice. To, to go battle them direct. And, and I like a CEO who's willing to push back on me and tell me, no, Casey, I disagree with this campaign. I think this is better. And mm -hmm. sometimes they're right. Like, by no means do I know everything, right? They, they probably know the market better than I do. If they're the founder, they probably know the customer better than I do. Because they built the company, they sold that customer one-to-one, -one, and now they've just kind of elevated and built a team around them. So if they say to do something, they might be onto something. And yeah, well, and I think... And it might not be. Well, and that's the thing. I think just having that humility about being smart enough to push back or, or fight it out when it's necessary. But I think humility is always a big part of it because it's, yes, you're in a leadership position, but you could only do so much with 
you know, being able to accept the information they give you and apply it to what you think is right. One more topic. Right. That's the leader. The leader, the leader stands in front of the team when the team screws up and, you know, the executive team's upset. You stand in front and you take all those arrows. And if there's anything that the marketing team does, that's great. You guys created a new campaign. You drop CPL. You got your lead volume well beyond the quarterly goal. Whatever it is, you step to the side and let everyone else take the praise. That's what a leader does. It does. That's how you build like the trust of the team, the support of the team. They're going to go into battle. They're going to take a bullet for you because you're taking bullets for them every day. Exactly. Well, one more topic before we finish this up, the niche, you know, you kind of, you touch on briefly, but you know, a lot of people think like I could do this for anybody, but at the end of the day, you have to have those case studies, that experience to do it well. How would you recommend people? Like, let's say they had an agency and they were servicing, you know, oh, we, we worked with local organizations and we worked with, you know, some mom and pops places we work with, you know, they work with a bunch of industries. So they say we could do it anything. How do you take that agent owner who wants to be a fractional CMO and say, Hey, here's how you discover your niche that you should be a fractional CMO for? Yeah. Great question. And I, I think back to, to Joe Polish and one thing that, um, like kind of in his story, he talks about how he's a carpet cleaner and he was going to like stop being a carpet cleaner because he was not making any money. And he talked to, you know, some successful business owner. I kind of forget the whole story, but that guy <laughs> said, well, Joe, is anyone in the carpet cleaning business making good money? And he said, well, yeah, there's these guys and they're making a ton of money. It's like, okay, well, it's not the industry that sucks. It's, it's you, <laughs> right? So I think for that reason, there really are few industries that are bad. If there was anything that I would say is like a, a hard no to be a fractional CMO in or like to be really cautious of, it's any industry where they're selling a very low ticket product mm. where there's like not an opportunity to really ascend the customer into a high lifetime value. They can have a loss leader on the front end. They can break even on the front end. But if they have something big that they can sell to like a high ticket or just a really great like SaaS, like a recurring revenue, then that's okay. But if it's relatively small ticket stuff and they're not open to adding product ascension, that should be a no for you because it's just going to be tough. Otherwise, there's niches like uh, the startup niche. Startup niche is fun. I recommend anyone that I train in the CMOX Accelerator to not take on any startup clients until you've got $20,000 a month in recurring business. And then take a risk with a startup, right? Like the startup is like, if it hits, man, it'll hit. Right, that's mm-hmm. real cool. You'll go over to Reddit to that subreddit fat fire and talk about how you're going to retire early with uh, your $10 million in the bank. And if you get there, man, like awesome. Good for you. The Bahamas. <laughs> uh, but that's a risk. That's, that's a lottery. And when you're young, sure, you can take that risk more than you can as you get older and you have a family and, you know, a partner and that kind of thing. I think startups are cool to work with, but I think of it more as the candy. I think it more as the asymmetric upside opportunities, not as the core business. So now we're just like into businesses that have a decent, a lifetime value of a customer where they have a marketing budget. So it's kind of like any industry can, can, can afford a fractional CMO. Maybe there's different levels. You know, if it's an individual dental practice, they can't afford $10,000 a month, but you could still find a way to serve them at a lower rate, maybe a couple thousand dollars a month and still stay elevated and, and, and give them the guidance. They need. Mm-hmm. So knowing that these industries are all kind of available for fractional CMOs, Next thing I want to say is that it's a blue ocean today, right now. We're recording this episode in November of 2021, and this is the blue ocean to become a fractional CMO. Consider it COVID pressures right now. COVID said to all these companies, you got to sell online. So now all these offline companies are selling online. 
all these companies that said, oh, we can't hire remote. Everyone's got to be in the office are now saying, well, remote's fine. Actually, 50% of our workforce is never coming back to the office. So they're going to hire remote and they know they have to sell online and they did a mediocre job through COVID. So now as we move into the holiday season of Q4, as we move into 2022, all these companies are saying, shoot, this online marketing thing, we really need to get on top of it. And my nephew who's been running the ads or whatever isn't enough. I need someone to lead, but we can't afford a full-time CMO or we don't need a full-time CMO. That's why getting in front of companies right now in Q4, I think is so critical. So to, to, to kind of finalize that answer on, on how do you find your niche? Sure, there's like the experiences that you have. What clients have you made wins for? Can you pull together case studies? I like this idea of a singular success story. Tip of your tongue, can you say something you've done so that when you talk to a prospect, they say, oh, wow, I see myself precisely in that position. And you took that company from that revenue to this revenue in this amount of time. Shoot, if you could do that for me, I'd be over the moon. So if you can have that singular success story, that's great. If you want to produce a case study, that's cool too. I think you can do that later on after you've got $20,000 a month in business. Mm -hmm. So figure out through your network where there's opportunities. Figure out in your niche where there's opportunities. Consider putting a stake in the ground. Like go to the moon, right, with your flag and just stick it in there. Be the first one to do it and say, I am the definitive fractional CMO for this industry. And get as hyper-specific as possible. And I really think you're going to be able to build a lifelong legacy business where you can offer fractional CMO services yourself. You can even consider bringing in other people to support you. As long as you have a strategy to, you know, sell them and service them. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think that's, that's such good advice. I, I especially like the, the startup because it's a lot of people think like, no, I can help them. And it's like, yeah, you could. <laughs> There's a lot of variables in there. <laughs> don't expect to be paid. Yes, you, you, you cannot expect too many months of payment if you don't just help them explode. FICO fast. FI.co slash fast. FI.co slash fast. Go there and check out their fast agreement. It's an agreement for an advisor. It's the simplest agreement. It's already written. I think it's from the Y Combinator folks or it's used with Y Combinator business. I don't know. I think it's related mm -hmm. to, how to, to the Y Combinator folks, but it's a great thing. So if you're saying, I want to work with startups, boom, that's your way to look at it and see how small the equity percentages are to, to work with startups. It's tiny. It's if you're pre, like a pre-revenue kind of idea stage and you're supporting uh, as much as I think you could as a fractional CMO, you could make like two points on the business. 2%. Is 2% enough? Is the company ever going to have enough profitability to be able to pay you anything even remotely close to your rates? Is it worth the risk? I think it's a good litmus to say, if that agreement doesn't work, maybe I shouldn't work with these startups. That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on. If somebody wants to learn more about what you do or get advice or even hire you, uh, where should they go? Yeah, awesome. So we've got a couple things. One is on Facebook, we've got the definitive fractional CMO community. Let's go to Facebook and type in fractional CMO community or go to cmox.co slash community. That's cmox.co slash community. Inside there, we've got a scorecard that you can grab. And the scorecard is a scorecard that I use and continue to use for clients that kind of lays out all the KPIs. So you as the fractional CMO can see from a high level, the health of the business. If you can read the KPIs, and I've got a free training video there for you um, on how to build the KPI doc out, fill it in and how to review it. If you do that, you're going to be able to troubleshoot the biggest problems that kind of exist with these clients. I think that's really helpful. And if you want to listen to my voice some more, we've got the Fractional CMO Show. And you can find that wherever you get your podcasts. Just type in Fractional CMO Show and you'll see us there. 
That's fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I think we have a lot of fractional CMOs in our digital market community that are love your advice and really get some perspective of what it really means to be a fractional CMO. So thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for listening, everyone. This is the Digital Marker Podcast. I'm Marky Grass and tune back in soon for more awesome content. Hey, DM listeners, if you're running a Black Friday or Cyber Monday special, listen up, because Digital Marketer just released our Canva holiday promo pack. It includes almost 200 templates that you can use to make the graphics for all your upcoming holiday specials and three unique design themes for each holiday. The promo pack is usually $27, but you can get it today for free. Check the show notes for the link to download, or you can go directly to digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates. That's digitalmarketer.com forward slash LP forward slash holiday templates.